is in complete political turmoil with a Brexit deadline of March 29, 2019 looming large and no deal in place. The Brexit vote, taken in a referendum on June 23, 2016, saw 51.9% of the voters being in favour of leaving the EU. Prime Minister David Cameron's government of the day promised to honour the result. Cameron, who had been opposed to Brexit, promptly resigned, and Theresa May, who had also opposed Brexit, became the Prime Minister. Theresa May triggered Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, and the date of March 29, 2019 was set as the date to leave. Well, the past two years have been fraught with one disaster after another for the government, who have tried to negotiate a relationship with the European Union. While Britain reels in a complex dance with the European Union and within its own walls to try to form a deal, a power behind the scenes has been orchestrating the outcome. Years ago, speaking about Britain's role in the Middle East, when it didn't have one, a Bible prophecy student named John Thomas wrote the following. The present decisions of statesmen are destitute of stability. A shooting star in the political firmament is sufficient to disturb all the forces of their system and to stullify all their theories and their political astronomy. The finger of God has indicated a course to be pursued by Britain which cannot be evaded and which her councillors will not only be willing but eager to adopt when the crisis comes upon them. Well, this prediction was in reference to the f future involvement of the British government in assuming control of the Holy Land, clearing the way for the colonization of Palestine by the Jewish people. At the time, this was seen as ridiculous, but became fact during the First World War when Lord Balfour penned the Balfour Declaration promoting the colonization of Palestine by the Jews, followed only weeks later by General Allenby capturing Jerusalem. Thomas's statement was based on confidence in the prophetic word. The prophetic word also describes the destiny of Britain outside of the European Union. A brief review of the scriptures detailing this begins in the book of Revelation. When the Lord returns from heaven, a decree will go out to the nations of the world to submit to his rule. We read this in Revelation 14 verses 6 and 7. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell upon the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Now this event is also captured in the second psalm, where a rebellion is formulated, as we read in verses 1 to 3. Why do the nations rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, the Messiah, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. God's response is clear in verses 4 to 7. He that sitteth in heaven shall laugh. The Lord will have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Well, God clearly indicates the power Messiah will yield at this time. In verses 8 to 9, he says, Ask of me, and I will give thee the nations for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
But he continues to warn the nations against rebellion in verse 10, where he says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. There is a blessing to those who listen, but those who don't will perish from the way. The nations of Europe will pull their sovereignty together in rebellion against Christ, as is indicated in Revelation chapter 17 and verses 12 to 14. The ten kings, the ten horns which thou sawest, are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These shall have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. They will be utterly defeated, and their destiny is clear. Described by Daniel the prophet, when the little stone of the kingdom of God hits the ten toes of the European Union, which correspond to the ten horns of the beast of Revelation, and crushes it. We read in verses 34 to 35 of Daniel 2, Thou sawest till that a little stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, which were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. The destruction is total, as Daniel 7 describes the fourth beast with the ten horns. He says in verse 11, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Well, that is the destiny of the European Union, who having formed together in rebellion against Jesus Christ will be destroyed. That is the course Europe is going to take, indicated by the finger of God. The course Britain will take is entirely different, as is also indicated by the finger of God. Britain is Tarshish and forms parts of the alliance that opposes the Russo-European Gogian host as it invades the land of Israel at the time of the end. We read in Ezekiel 38 verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, and a great spoil? Well, when the call goes out to fear God and worship him, and to bow before his son enthroned on the holy hill of Zion, Britain will submit. We find a picture of this in Psalm 72 when the king is given rulership of the world and he will break in pieces the oppressor as Psalm 2 also told us. Psalm 72 verses 1 to 5 describe this. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness to the king's son. He shall judge the people with righteousness and the poor with judgment. The mountain shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. Britain is the Tarshish of the modern age, proved by the fact of her involvement of Israel's return to the land as predicted by the scriptures. As such, we find her submitting to Christ. In Psalm 72, verses 7 to 10, we read, The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. 
Britain will be amongst those nations who Daniel relates in chapter 7 verse 12 as concerning the rest of the beasts they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season at a time. They will continue on in national existence albeit with their governments replaced by the saints who will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. This being the course indicated by God as to the destiny of Europe and Britain, the finger of God indicates the course to be pursued by Britain. It must leave the European Union. Whether the current government, the opposite members, or business leaders want it to, it has to happen because God has decreed it. And so we come to the news this week. Brexit is in full crisis as Theresa May's government has won stunning defeat after stunning defeat. This week, British Parliament again rejected Theresa May's divorce deal with the European Union. The British government has been struggling to maintain some kind of a link with Europe, but this desire is wrought with problems. God has indicated that Britain will stand separately at the time of the end, but the government's proposal would still tie it to Europe. The National Post reported this week, in a devastating legal opinion delivered Tuesday by her Attorney General, Geoffrey Cox, said that the new agreement might result in the UK being permanently tied to the EU. End quote. This is the problem with the negotiations. The deal negotiated by May, who was a Remainer during the original Brexit vote, has sought to maintain ties with Europe. These ties must be broken if the word of God is to be upheld, as God tells us in Isaiah 55 verses 10 to 11. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth out from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish all that I have pleased. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And so the deal was voted down. Following this, Prime Minister May promised a free vote on a no deal. Well, on Wednesday, a vote on a no deal Brexit was also put to Parliament. The government had originally proposed rejecting a no deal Brexit on March 29th. This amendment was changed to and proposed that Britain will never accept a no deal Brexit, ever. Theresa May and her government removed the free vote and enforced what is called a three whip vote. The government failed, and the motion passed by 312 to 308, signifying the British Parliament does not want a no-deal Brexit under any circumstances. Another amendment called for a managed no-deal Brexit, but it was defeated too. This meant that in the end, the main vote in Parliament was do you reject the UK leaving the EU with no deal under all circumstances. This was no longer a free vote with an amendment, and May pressured her own government to vote against the no deal. The vote passed, though, with 321 for and 278 against. May then announced she planned to bring her deal back one more time. On Wednesday, the British Parliament voted on a proposal for not holding a second referendum. The proposal passed with 334 for and 85 against. This means there is not going to be a second referendum on EU membership. Then, on Thursday, the British Parliament went on to vote to seek a delay of the country's departure from the European Union, which is scheduled for March 29th. Earlier before the vote for the extension, May warned the British Parliament, Let me be clear, voting against leaving without a deal and for an extension does not solve the problem we face. 
The EU will want to know what use we mean to make of such an extension, and this House will have to answer that question. End quote. Well, Jeremy Corbyn, leader of the opposition, stated the following. The Prime Minister said the choice was between her deal and no deal. In the last 24 hours, Parliament has decisively rejected both her deal and no deal. While an extension of Article 50 is now inevitable, the responsibility of that extension lies solely and squarely at the Prime Minister's door. There was a vote on an amendment to delay Brexit for a second referendum, but that was defeated by 332 votes to 85. Following a failure of three other amendments, the main motion was voted on. The motion was passed by 412 to 202. Jeremy Corbyn addressed the House after the vote. Mr Speaker, after the last few days of government chaos and some defeats, all of us now have the opportunity and the responsibility to work together to find a solution to the crisis facing this country, where the government has so dramatically failed to do so. We've begun to hold meetings with members across the House to find a consensus and a compromise that meets the needs of this country. But the last few days have also put a responsibility on the Prime Minister. First, to publicly accept that both her deal and no deal are simply no longer viable options. And secondly, to bring forward the necessary legislation to amend the exit date of the 29th of March. May has to ask the EU for an extension at the next EU summit to be held on March 21st, as it's the last summit before March 29th's Brexit date. She wants one last vote, probably to be held Tuesday, March 19th, to have her deal accepted in the British House of Commons so she can table this with the EU and ask for a short delay of Brexit to implement it. If the deal is rejected by Parliament, May will have to ask for a long extension of Brexit from the EU, which might result in a second referendum, which has already been turned down, a parliamentary election in Britain, and European elections for Britain, as it would still be in the EU. The ex-UKIP leader, Nigel Farage, had the following to say. We voted to leave. We backed it up in a general election. 500 MPs voted for Article 50, which said we leave on the 29th of March with or without a deal and now we have a big majority in Parliament not to leave on March the 29th and to me the only logical thing we can now do is to leave on March the 29th with no deal because her deal has failed twice. So the trouble with her deal and by the way it's not a deal it's a new European treaty uh, you know I've read that treaty I've studied it in many ways it's even worse than being a member of the European Union in terms of us being bound in to European rules, possibly in perpetuity. And you know, the next phase of negotiations, and I met Mr Barnier earlier this week, the next phase of negotiations could take another four years. I don't think we want to go through that process. This deal's the wrong deal. The Prime Minister has made an horrendous mess of it. So let's just leave. Let's have a clean break in a few days' time and get on with things. So when you sum this up, the British Parliament, both sides except the hard-right Brexiteers, have done everything it can to remain tied to the European Union in one way or another. However, the finger of God has indicated the endgame for Britain. Ironically, the British Parliament has no control over what happens next. Britain's May is in the position of begging the EU for a delay. A short delay if her deal is accepted, and a long delay if it isn't. The EU is not bound to yield to Britain in either circumstance. 
Martin Selmayr, the European Commission's powerful Secretary General, retweeted a message saying that there will be no further talks on Brexit. Guy Verhofstadt, the European Parliament's representative in the Brexit negotiations, tweeted his response. Under no circumstances, an extension in the dark, exclamation mark, unless there is a clear majority in the House of Commons for something precise, there is no reason at all for the European Council to agree to a prolongation. Even the motion tabled this evening by the UK government recognises this. And that was the end of his tweet. An official from Macron's office told Reuters that the French President Macron has stated he does not support granting a short extension if it's merely for Britain to try to reopen negotiation over terms with the European Union. Sky News reported the European Commissioner, Vice President Franz Timmermans, stating many member states are saying, yes, you're talking about an extension, but to do what? The question appeared unlikely to be settled by Thursday's vote. However, European Council President Donald Tusk tweeted that he will appeal to EU leaders during my consultations ahead of the European Council. I will appeal to the EU 27 to be open to a long extension if the UK finds it necessary to rethink its Brexit strategy and build consensus around it. End tweet. Well, this shows the true colours of the EU. It will only be willing to support a long extension if it will result in a way for the British to reverse Brexit. The National Post reported the following. Power to approve or reject the extension lies with the EU, whose officials have said that they will only allow a delay in Britain either approves a divorce deal or makes a fundamental shift in its approach to Brexit. In a historic irony, almost three years after Britain voted to leave the EU, its future is now in the bloc's hands. But is it? Thankfully not. For the Bible is clear. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will, and sets up over it the basest of men. Daniel 4.17 Man is not in charge. God is. Rather than Britain being about to fall into the abyss, it is going to be rescued from it by the providence of God. The machinations, motions, votes, yelling, screaming, storming in and out, and skullduggery of Parliament are summarized by the words of the prophet. The wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20-21 the finger of God has indicated the course Britain will take, whether it will be in the next few weeks, or even if it takes a few years, we know not. But the angels do, and the Lord will bring about his purpose with the nation of Britain, and with the nations of Europe, and with the nation of Israel, which is destined to be the little stone that will fill the earth, conquering all nations under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is described as returning not as a lamb, but as a lion. As we read in Revelation 19, verse 11, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies that were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed with white linen, clean and white, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, 
that with it he might smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a new name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For the Bible and the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.